Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through this word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, uh, the concept of leadership, I think it's, it's very important that we're getting ourselves trained. Because sometimes um, we can assume that we know a lot about a subject until the Lord begins to open our eyes to read. And... Um, that's something I want to try as much as I can for us to study in this uh, particular subject of leadership. And I want to appreciate, uh, am I still on? Can you still hear me? Oh, okay, my, my internet gave me a signal like I was off, so I wasn't sure. All right, I want to appreciate um, uh, our pastor for this warm invitation. I want us to look at, I'm going to have four sessions with you, and at the end of the day, uh, from the class, uh, our facilitator is going to share some of the notes with you. But the, con- the, the idea I want us to have is... Remove your mind from anything you've known about leadership, alright? One, one of the things is, when you come to a class like this, or when you come to a session like this, sometimes you feel like, you know what, yeah, this is what I'm expecting, this is what I want to learn, but if you just take out your mind and be ready to learn and to unlearn, then we can all, you know, just benefit from the session. So, I believe that probably an introduction has been done before now, but I'm Max Ologaga. I'm, I'm primarily a pastor and a Bible teacher, and I have a very strong um, heart in raising leaders. And the reason is because once you raise a leader, you're able to influence a lot more, more people. And so when you look at the ministry of Jesus, for instance, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, for instance, you realize something very important. Jesus spent time cultivating and training the twelve. You know, he spent time infusing upon them and teaching them. Alright, so in my first session, I want to look at what I call the biblical foundation for leadership. And I want us to be clear. We are not trying to take the Bible to fit into other motivational texts or other literary texts or other texts written by good leadership aspect of the world. No, that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is we're looking at the scriptures, and this is important, we are not reading our mind into the scriptures. We are not reading our thoughts into the scriptures. We are allowing the scriptures to define to us what leadership is. I'd like you to write that down. We're not reading our minds into scriptures. We are allowing the scriptures to tell us what leadership is. What I find out in a lot of leadership training is that we try to find scriptures, alright, to augment 
we try to find scriptures to back up what we already think leadership should be. But that's not the case. The case uh, I'm putting forward tonight is the fact that there is already a concept of leadership in the scriptures. There is something that God already sees as leadership. And we want to extract that. So, we're looking at biblical foundation for leadership. So, the word foundation. What is a foundation? So, a foundation is usually a stone, a concrete structure that supports a building from underneath. Now, please pay attention to that. Alright? It's, it's the support structure. So, when you talk about the foundation of a building... You don't see the foundation, alright? Uh, recently, we heard of the collapse of the building in, in, uh, in Lagos, sadly enough. A lot of lives were lost. And uh, engineers will tell you that it's a structural issue. It's, it's a foundation issue. So maybe the foundation, I'm not referring to that particular building, I'm just uh, giving another example. Maybe the foundation of a building was designed to take 20 stories and then you put 26 stories, it'll collapse. It'll collapse. So the foundation of leadership is, is critical. Many times people focus on the methods of leadership. Many times people focus on the style of leadership. Many times people focus on the position of leadership. But the key thing I want to deal with in this particular class is the foundation. What's the biblical foundation for leadership? The Merriam-Webster dictionary says it's something such as an idea or a principle or a fact that supports, provides support for something. So the first definition is it's, uh, it's usually a stone or a concrete structure that supports a building. But the Merriam-Webster dictionary also sees foundation as an idea or principle or a fact that provides support for something. So, uh, so what's, what's your philosophy of leadership? Where did you get your philosophy of leadership from? Where did you get your idea of leadership from? What supports, are you still here? What supports your current um, leadership style? What supports it? What's the foundation behind it? Where did you learn it from? Okay? There are many practices we have even in Christian ministries that are not learned from God's word, unfortunately or sadly enough. And people don't recognize that. These are foundations. Okay? These are foundations. And I believe that you're here because you want to become not just a better leader, but a better biblical leader. I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing that. Because there are several leadership uh, lessons in the world. There are several leadership structures in the world. There are several um, leadership schools around the world. So why is this different? Why did we choose to teach in such a school? Because we want to equip godly leaders. We want to equip godly leaders, either for the ministry or for whatever organizations the Lord has led them to lead, but that are building the foundation of your leadership on the principles of scriptures alone. On the principles of scriptures alone. Now, uh, the Merriam-Webster dictionary also said, it's the lowest load-bearing part of a building, typically below the ground level. Now, I want you to pay attention to the fact that it says, 
below the ground level. Below the ground level. So, the foundation of leadership is not something that is easily seen. The foundation of leadership is not something that's easily seen. People see the positions, people see the accolades, people see the flyers, you know, the poster, the money, the resource, the travels. But that's not the foundation. Many people get into leadership for that, for that, not the foundation. And so that's why you discover that after many years, you can hear, oh, this man was doing well. What happened? He's collapsed. The load-bearing part of his life could not sustain the extent of his fame. Never step into leadership capacity that you're not equipped for. It'll destroy you. Okay? Never step... I'm going to talk about uh, finances later. Many people don't know how to manage finances as leaders. They haven't learned the discipline. How would you act when you now can make all the calls where finances are concerned? Okay? But let's, let's focus on this. So, the foundation of leadership is very crucial. The foundation of leadership is very crucial. Many enter into leadership with a worldly positional mindset. Even those who are called of God into leadership. I want you to think of that. I want you to think of that. I bet you, if you go through all the classes that we're offering in this place, you will become, you will be transformed. I I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Look at Moses. Moses knew the Lord had called him into leadership. And what happened? He tried, listen to this, he tried to kill someone and bury them quickly. Was that, was that a good thing? If you look at it from a perspective, someone will tell you, that's good, that's proactive. He thought, listen carefully, he thought he was leading right. And so the next day, he went and saw the two and he says, hey, why are you guys fighting? And the Israelites said, who made you a judge over us? Do you want to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? You realize that Moses had to run away. He was called of God, but his methods were ungodly. Write that down. Put it on the chat box. Let me see that come up. Write that down. You can be called of God and you use ungodly methods to fulfill a godly mission. Be very careful of what I'm telling you right now. That a man can be called of God and he uses an ungodly method to fulfill a godly mission thinking that he is doing God a favor. If you don't pick anything from my class tonight, take that. Don't ever forget it. That a man can be called of God and in the innocence of his heart, he can use an ungodly method to try to bring God's vision to pass. 
That's what happened to Moses. That's all he had learned. That's all he had seen. That's all he had experienced. And you know what happened? God took him to the backside of the desert. And for 40 years, God had to work on him. God had to change the foundation of his leadership. God had to change his perspective of leadership. Did you see that? God had to change it. So, the foundation that Moses was carrying into the godly assignment that God is giving to him was worldly. It was canal. He learned it from the princes of Egypt. He learned it from the school of Egypt. And God says, no, you cannot fulfill my purpose for you by using canal methods to bring forth spiritual things. You cannot start in the spirit and end in the flesh. And I want to beg you, if you're called of God, find out how God wants you to be a leader. It's very subtle. So I say the foundation for leadership is very crucial. Many enter into leadership with a worldly positional mindset. Even those who are called of God into leadership. So there is a positional mindset. And this, I'm telling you, I'm teaching, I'm teaching this subject from the depth of my heart. That we must become leaders again that the Lord is calling into proper apostolic Christian leadership. And that's why I'm starting with this biblical foundation. It's easy to read all the leadership textbooks in the world and aggregate um, methods and systems to lead. We could, we, could, we could be called of God and lead the church like it's Coca-Cola or IBM or Apple or Microsoft. While the world thinks in terms of profit and loss, the church and the leadership of the church must think in terms of salvation. This is a clear foundation. And it's important because when I see a lot of young people, I'm, I'm still young, I'm not very old, but when I see a lot of young people on social media, their concept of leadership, their approach to leadership, how they want their leadership structured, I tell myself, we are missing it big. And we better call ourselves quickly back to order. Now, let me go on. In developing Christian leadership, this note will be made available to you by, by your facilitator, right? In developing Christian leadership, whether for church organizations or other kingdom organizations, motives is essential. Write that word. Motives is essential. Motives is big. In the Bible, motive is a big deal. In the Bible, motive is a big deal. Methods. Listen to me, saints. Methods will never replace motives. When Saul, when God told Saul, he says, kill everyone. 
And Saul says, oh, we brought some to sacrifice for you. God says, no, obedience, it's better than sacrifice. Motives is a big deal when you are in kingdom leadership. God sees motives. Men don't see it. Remember what we talked about foundation. Foundation is that part that is not seen. Method will never replace motives. Okay. So, when you look at leadership. Leadership is not so much as methods. As opposed to motives. Leadership is not so much as methods. As opposed to what? To motives. Now. What, when you hear the word leadership, what comes to your mind? When you hear leadership, what comes to your mind? Uh, for some people, it's power. For some people, it's power. For some people, it's fame. You know, if I'm the leader, then I'm, you know, a lot of people will know me. That's why you see that a lot of people in leadership position, if they will not be known, they will not be committed. If their face will not be on the flyer, they will not be committed. If they don't know them as the president of their organization, they will not be committed. Is that really leadership? Is it about you becoming famous? Is that what leadership is all about? Some people look at leadership and what comes to their mind is money. If I'm the leader, I I ought to be the richest. Or... Leadership, this is going to bring money to me. Other people see it as prestige. I'm the president and founder of this organization. I'm the CEO of this organization. That's what people just consider leadership. Prestige. People, some people consider leadership as position. It's a position for them. Alright? So it's about what positions am I occupying. These people can walk away from a team if you don't give them the right position they think they deserve. Without a position, could you still be able to do what you're doing effectively if you didn't have a position? Is everything around your leadership tied to the positions? You even sometimes hear pastors say, I'm giving this person a position so he can stay in the church. You know, that right there is bad motives. That right there is a corrupted motive. You shouldn't do that. That's manipulating people by position so they can stay in places. And that is bad. Okay? For some people, leadership is large following. So, uh, until you have very large followers, they wouldn't consider you a leader. That's why you see that many times... People can also be deceived. Now, every one of these things I have listed are what society and people think as leadership. Now, this is where it's very important. Unconsciously, even the church of Jesus is somehow beginning to think this way. And so, when you actually look at the goal of a young minister... You would find one or two of these things right there. Because 
That's what we have imbibed as leadership. That's what we have seen. That's what we've been exposed to. And if you're exposed to something long enough, your body will begin to accept it as normal. And the body of Christ have been accepting certain positions, certain ideologies, certain philosophies as normal. Which shouldn't be. Now, we've talked about what comes to people's mind when they think of leadership. Now, let's look at the foundational leadership philosophy of Jesus. The foundational leadership philosophy of Jesus. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20 to 24. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20 to 24. There are certain phrases and words that I want us to pick from this particular story. In Matthew chapter 20 verse 20 to 24, I'm using a New Living Translation. Uh, then, you can put up any translation you have there to also help those who are not close to their Bibles. Then, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons. Right? She knelt respectfully or desiring or setting favor from him. What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please, let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you. One on your right and one on, on the other on your left. Can you see a request? See a request. I want my two sons to sit in places of honor. One at your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. <laughs> You know, many times people think that leadership is easy. Alright? When people see you doing certain things, they think, oh, it's easy. I can become a pastor. Oh, I can host this meeting. Oh, I can do this. Until they try it. And then they realize it's not what they thought. Whatever position you are envying today, don't forget, there is a cup of baptism. Whatever spiritual positions you envy, whatever spiritual position you see and you desire, there is a baptism required to fill that position. There is a baptism required to fill that position. Some things do not come by confession, they come by process. Are you hearing this? They come by process. 
We must be a generation that values process. That values the baptism that comes with those positions. So that we are equipped, we have the capacity to handle those positions. Never pray for something you are not prepared for. Rather prepare for it and the Father will bring it to you. Just prepare. Keep your preparations on. Keep the work on. And before you realize it, you will be there. Now, let's read up. Verse 23. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on, on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen. Look at verse 24. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant, they were angry. They said, hey guys, we are on a team here. <laughs> and you guys are desiring the positions that are available. What's wrong with you? They were angry. I love how the Bible expresses the humanity of the disciples. These guys weren't perfect. They got angry. Say these two guys. Huh? They were, they were seriously angry. Jesus had to deal with it. But Jesus called them together. And said. You know. That the rulers. Of the, in this world. Lord it over their people. And officials. Flaunt their authority. Over those under them. Verse 26, thank you Lord Jesus. But among you, it will be different. The King James says, but it shall not be so among you. Child of God, there is a leadership style that must not be found among believers. Jesus was clear about this. He didn't say, let's mix it and have a balance. No, he says, it shall not be so among you. And then he goes on to redefine leadership. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. That's the word Jesus used. He uses the word slave. This is different from what we're taught in leadership schools. And this is the anchor. This is where I'm taking my studies from. Jesus already defined to us what biblical leadership is. We mustn't accept any other form of definition. Jesus already earmarked what is leadership in the kingdom and what is leadership in the world. Jesus already said in the world, this is how it is done. But in the kingdom, not so among you. He was clear about it. He didn't argue if what they were doing in the world was... No, he said that's how they do it. But in the kingdom of God, he says this is how we do it. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give him his life as a ransom for many. Christians need to return back to the Bible again. All of us in this class, this is the philosophy of leadership according to Jesus Christ. And we are going to explore this gradually. What are the key points here? When you um, have your study outline later, you're going to see some of these things. What is the key point? The mother of James and John says, I want my kids to sit in the places of honor next to you. She saw leadership as sitting in a place of honor. She didn't come and say, oh, I want my children to serve you. She didn't say that. Do you realize that? She didn't say, I want my children to serve. Do you see that um, when Anna brought Samuel to the temple, Anna brought Samuel to serve Eli. But the mother of James and John says, I don't want my children to serve. I want them to sit. How many of us think leadership as service? Or do we think leadership as sitting? And we've got to be honest. We've got to be honest. You want to become a pastor. You want to become a leader. You're already leading. How do you see leadership? Is it as sitting position or serving position? The right hand and the left hand, according to Dr. Carson, subjects proximity to the king's person. And so, uh, and so they share in his prestige and his power. So they can say, hey, you know what? I'm the one that sits at the right hand of Jesus. I'm the one that sits at the left hand of Jesus. The number two point I want us to pick from this is the fact that there's something called the rulers of this world. It says, those who rule in this world. He says two things about them. Number one, he says, they lord it over people. They lord it over people. So this tells us, first of all, that leadership in the kingdom is not lording it over people. He says they lord it. We're going to look at the Greek words for this. He says they lord it over people. Jesus didn't deny that fact. He recognized it. We are not denying the fact that there are these kind of leadership factors in the world. You know, today, sometimes even as Christian leaders, we come out uh, as if we are in competition with the world. Alright? And, and, and that's a challenge. That's not how God has ordained that we would lead. He says, the leadership, the rulers of this world, lord it over people. Number two, he says, they flaunt their authority. They flaunt it. They flaunt it. 
He says, they lord it over people and they flaunt their authority. Think on these students. Think on them. Is your concept of leadership lording it over people? Is it about flaunting what you have? You know, we live in a world today where they say, you've got to show it. You've got to put it out there. We, we don't know how to do things silently anymore. We're not conservative about things anymore. It's so much about us. It's so much about what we can flaunt. It's so much about what we can show. Is this what the Bible teaches us? Is this biblical leadership? And, and in my sessions, I'm going to confront a lot of things. I'm going to share a lot of things because I believe that we need to let the book of God, the truth of God's word, challenge our views. Because the kingdom of this world has to become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And I always tell my people this. You cannot change a world you have fallen in love with. If you fall in love with the leadership system of the world, you cannot impact it. You cannot change it. Are you following this now? So, Jesus did not deny that there is a different leadership foundation to the world than ours. He says, they lord it over the people and they flaunt their authority. Now, let's look at the disciples. Jesus now said, it's, it will not be so among you. But I'm giving you two things that as a leader in the kingdom, you must be conscious of. Number one, it says, the leader is a servant. He says, the leader is a servant. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. He uses the word must. This is not an optional qualification. This has nothing to do with your personality. I'm not the serving type. No, <laughs> no. This has nothing to do with your disposition. Jesus says, leadership in the kingdom is on the pathway of service. So when we think leadership, we're thinking service. That's the first thing. You're thinking service. Then he says, he that wants to be great or first among you, must become your slave. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting. Jesus is talking about leadership. He uses two words. He uses the word servant and the word slave. And this is amazing. How do you associate these words with leadership? Do you realize if we had put up a title and say, we've got a better slaves for Christ curse. <laughs> How many of you would have enrolled? 
Or we said, we, 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 are, we are servants of Christ's course. We are we're teaching you servants of Christ's course. Many people would not. Because they associate leadership with apostle. You know, apostle. Ministry leaders and apostolic, prophetic, you know, boot camp. That's the concept. The concept is exaltation. You've got to renew your mind. And sometimes I sit back and I look at Christian leadership teachings and I say, this is not different from what you would sit in a Coca-Cola shop and get. It's almost a conversion of 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. It's almost, it's almost looking like there's no difference between us and the world. There is a place for structure. There is a place for system. But there is no place for lording it over God's people. Jesus never taught us that. Jesus never taught us that both in words and in practice. He didn't practice that. He didn't practice that. Now, Jesus uses a strong terminology, must. If you want to be a leader, you must be a servant. If you want to be great, you must become a slave. In the pagan world, according to Dr. Carson, humility was regarded not as a virtue, but as a vice. They didn't see humility as a virtue. You were called a weakling. If you were humble, you were weak. You, you were called a weak man. You know, I, I say it all the time, and those who follow me on social media, I say it all the time. A minister makes himself accessible. And in the eyes of people, it's because he's small. So, uh, what will make you look like a big minister is having six layers of protocol. Not being accessible, being scarce, not being reachable. And you say, wow, that man, to get him is tough. We, we like that concept. And even some of us who are just young, starting out in ministry, that's what we've started. You've ten, you have ten people in your fellowship. You have ten people in your fellowship. All ten of them have positions. You are the president. You have sisters coordinator. You have assistants, sisters coordinator. You even have a PA. What are you doing with it? What, what are you doing with a personal assistant? What's wrong with you? Where did you learn that from? For what? For, for what reason? For ten people in your fellowship. Hmm? You see that you're already getting something wrong. You're, you're already, you already have a mind of what leadership is. You're already missing it. You're already missing it. You say, oh, I'm trying to put systems and structure in place. Is that your, is that your most important priority right now? In a fellowship of ten people? Is that your goal? Or you just want the feeling that I'm a president. And so you create a cabinet around yourself. Is that your greatest goal? Oh, sadly, I see some young people that I used to mentor and I see them write. And they write about 
how much protocol they have, what you have to do to get them to come speak in a meeting and everything. And I laugh. How many invitations do you have in a year? Maybe three. Maybe three. Out of sympathy. And you already have this complex system. Because in our mind, that's leadership. I hope you're getting something tonight. I hope you're getting something tonight. I, I, I'm sharing God's perspective with you. And that's why all through my courses, I'll stick with the word of God. Because we need to again know that the word of God is sufficient for anything we want to learn. His word is sufficient. I'm not against reading all the books. I have a very large expanse of library. But I've realized that if we don't have a, a, a ground in the word, we will not be able to decipher or discern what's wrong. Do you realize Daniel could have eaten the king's food and testified that he was favored of God? But he discerned it. And he refused it. Let's go on. Uh, I need to finish this tonight. He says, Even the Son of Man came to be served. So he used himself as an example. He says, Jesus typified and exemplified the foundational model of it. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came and he showed that, listen, in this kingdom we come to serve. We don't come to be served. We come to serve. And this should shape our philosophy. This should shape our theology. Now, when you get the study notes, you will see I screenshot the Bilmon's Greek translation. So there's a there's like a screenshot there, and I underlined um, three words, three words. So I want to deal with those three words. The word, it's in the Greek, it's katakerio. Katakerio, it means Lord. When it says, the Gentiles lord it over. That word means to get into one's power. It means to bring on that, to master, to overcome, to domineer. Over. To master. And it's used in several places in the scripture. Acts 19, 16, Matthew 20, 25. Uh, Mark 10, 42 and 1 Peter 5, 3. To dominate. But leadership in the scripture is not so much about dominating people. It's not so much about lording it over. It's not, it's not a master-slave relationship. Now, the other word there is katezozwa. Katezozwa is to exercise authority, which means to exercise lordship and to dominate over. Everything 
about the Gentile is dominating, 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 oversight, master, ruling. Unconsciously, we, we, you know, we, we are almost seeing it this way. That's why sometimes you can, you can see someone, there's a church somewhere, they are planting another church, and they have this mindset of dominating. They don't mind going to pay. A church is in a building. They don't mind going to offer the landlord a higher rent to drive out the young church so that they can bring in their brand church. Because that concept is a concept of conquering. Are you following this now? It's like we have conquered this region. So if you are a struggling church, pack out, pack out. Let's let's be here. That's the if it's if you come with the mindset of serving, you will never do that. You will never do that. That's that's what I'm telling you. You see, even in the large spaces, you can find that that people already have this mindset. We have to dominate. We have to control. We have to master. We have to lord it over. And if we are to raise biblical leaders, don't think this way, I beg you. Don't think this way. Think service. Think help. Think being a slave. Renew your you, you see, you have to renew your mind. See yourself as a slave of the body. See yourself as a slave. The, the, the other word used there that Jesus used to become a servant or a slave is the word diakonos. It says, one who renders a service to another. One who renders a service to another. Or an attendant, a servant. It's like you're waiting. You know, you go to the restaurant and you're waiting for the order. And you say, oh, I want rice. I want plantain. I want eggs. And you go and you attain and you serve. That's why pride and kingdom leadership cannot coexist. You cannot be proud and be used of God. What God is looking for to raise in this generation as leaders is slaves. Servants. Oh, these my members are just using me. It might look like it's a bad thing. <laughs> but that's what it's called you to do. It's called you to serve them. It's called you to serve them. The ministry is not a place for self-preservation. It's not a place... For self-preservation. It's a place for absolute obedience. Write that down. Ministry is not a place for self-preservation. It's a place of absolute obedience. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you do it. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you do it. Whatever the Lord tells you to say, you say it. Regardless of its repercussion. It's not a place for self-preservation. It's a place for absolute opinion. When you think leadership, think this stuff. What's the historical perspective? The disciples had plenty of examples of Gentiles' authorities to draw from. 
The nation was occupied by Rome, which at that time was an effective and efficient superpower. So Rome grew to that status. And the way they grew to that status was by deep commitment to authority and hierarchy. Roman authorities insisted on being recognized and respected. They allowed freedom to the nations they conquered. As long as those nations were submissive. Those who failed to bow received the harshest of penalties. What comes to mind is the example of Haman and Mordecai. In Esther chapter 3 and verse 2 to 4. Haman wanted Mordecai to bow. To bow. To greet him. To bow. And Mordecai didn't. But later who became the greatest? Mordecai. How did Mordecai become the greatest? He served the king. He prevented the king from dying. He served Esther. He served Esther. He served Esther. He helped Esther to get to the throne. He didn't think of himself. In ministry we do not think of ourselves. In that, in that sense. We think of those who are to serve. This is what leads us to prayer. This is what leads us to the study of the word. This is what leads us to commitment. To preaching the truth of God's word. So that those we serve can receive the truth and be liberated. Are you concerned about the people God has given to you? Or are you using them for your own name and your own good? The people under you. Are they growing? Are they developing? Are they becoming better? Are you serving them? Or you're just looking for large followership. I hope you're getting something tonight. This is, this is foundational. We're looking at this. Foundational. Now. Our culture. I'll, I'll run up in, in, in like five minutes. Our culture. And exposure. And media. Have a way of influencing our perception of leadership. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, the Bible commands us to renew our mind. Change your mind. Change your mind. When you think of leadership. If our mind is not renewed, we would carry secular leadership traits into the kingdom of God. That's why in our next course, we're looking at leadership and discipleship making. To understand how leadership in the scripture is. So that as we run our organizations. As we run our churches. We can have very clear perspective. On who and what a kingdom leader is. It doesn't matter what we may have seen in our leaders. In Jesus. Kingdom leaders are not bosses. And leadership is not about exerting authority. Leadership is about service and being a godly example. Leadership is about service and being a godly example. On, on this note, I want to appeal to you. We, uh, they're going to send you the... The, 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 the leadership notes that are prepared and if you're listening to this some other time you can request for it get it across to you go through it again 
before the next class and some materials that I'm going to send to you, go through them again. And begin to change your mind. Begin to think service. When you're thinking of your church, when you're thinking of your organization, you tell yourself the pathway to greatness is service. And listen, you are not serving because you want to be great. Service itself is the greatness in the kingdom. So it's not a principle. It's not a methodology. Okay, let me say, let me say, one day I will be great. No. In your service, you are already great. That's how the Bible puts it. As you serve, your greatness is being unveiled. Alright? So I, I want to encourage you to go through the teaching again. Uh, go through the materials that will be shared with you, that I will make available to you. I hope that... Uh, this one hour we've spent together have challenged you. And um, I don't know if, we, if we're going to take questions. I don't know how we're going to go from here. But, but my time is up, 8.30. I'll, I'll stick to 7.30 to 8.30. That works for me, praise God. But thank you. I didn't have a chance to greet all of you because I came in a bit late. Uh, next Saturday we'll make sure we get all things ready on time. But good to see everyone who's participated. Good to... To have all of you on board and I believe that the next couple of months in consistency lies the power. If we stay consistent at the end of the, the meetings, we will be supernaturally transformed. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.